I think third world country for me is obviously very close because I grew up in Zimbabwe, which is a third world country that experiences a lot of poverty. There's so many like super smart people there that just don't get the, the chances that they deserve. And yes. to be able to provide a service that, that does that, I mean, that's, that's my ultimate goal. I mean, I want to be able to, uh, you know, bring something like that into fruition. Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter came to help them find a way. Because of this, makers became founders and earned the money they deserve. Because of this, founders can have growth, freedom, and wealth until tomorrow. No code becomes the next big skill that changes the future of humanity. That's what I'm all about. Hello, my name is Abdulaziz, and from an ethical hacker to a European Ivy League business graduate to a hypnotherapist to a growth marketer, I've lost everything twice. And now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day, the No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter are for the makers and founders who have the proactivity, perspective, and persistence to go on this journey with me and get from experts and from the experiences of other makers the answers about money, marketing, and mindsets so that makers become earners, earners become founders, and founders get freedom and create wealth. My guest today is a maker and a no-code evangelist. His name is Colin Winhall, and from shipping 19 projects since 2017 to being a customer experience manager at Adalo, from living in the city of Glasgow to Amsterdam, to from being a film photographer to consulting for companies who can benefit from no code to bring their ideas to life and automate repetitive tasks. Colin has the experience. And today we will discuss his no-code journey, his most recent ideas, and his polymath mind. Colin, how are you today? Hi, Abdulaziz. Thanks for thanks for inviting me on here. Um, what a great intro. It's uh, really fascinating uh, to hear the, the history that you've had and the experiences that you've obviously gone through. I can, I can obviously relate quite closely to some of those. I've also failed quite a few times and having to start over again. And I think that's, uh, we're on, we're on the same journey at the moment. Yes. And as uh, I was reading a quote today that when you lose everything, you don't actually start from zero, you start from experience. So I thought that's good. That's a great one. (laughs) And to speak about you, what is your journey really? What is that a path that took you to become an evangelist and somebody who is dedicating a lot of his brain power and time to no-code projects and experiences? That's a great question. I think it's probably start, better to start from the beginning of how I got here. Um, obviously, as you mentioned in the intro there, I actually got my bachelor's degree in photography. I worked as a professional photographer about seven years. And decided I didn't really like the business side of things. It was a lot of chasing money and uh, contracts and stuff that I wasn't really good at. 
So I decided to go into my other passion, which was IT. Uh, I moved to Amsterdam in 2015 and entirely changed careers at that point. I started out as an interaction designer at a small uh, web development agency. Uh, that progressed on to user experience. Uh, and then eventually I was found myself in the product management role. Uh, this is a job that like the role is something that I really enjoyed. You kind of were touching every single part of the business and being uh, kind of at the center and core of all the decisions being made about the product, of course. Um, I pursued that for a few years. Obviously, I was uh, I really wanted to become more of a technical product manager. So I started to try to teach myself learning how to code, um, but it didn't really catch. And I thought, what am I doing here? Like, uh, I don't kind of have that mindset for actually writing out code. And I don't want to be a, a developer in that kind of regard, uh, especially as like a day job. Uh, then one day I found, uh, I stumbled across some no-code tools. Uh, I think the first one that uh, kind of had my eureka moment was with Bubble. Um, that was, I think, back in the start of 2018. So Bubble had already been around for quite some years and had established itself. I had no idea how I, how I had never seen it. It's kind of the the tool and that mindset that I'd always been looking for and always was missing from my life because I always had a lot of ideas and no ways to get them off the ground. So I kind of dove deep into that world for about two years now. Uh, I've tried probably upwards of 50 different tools at the moment uh, that, that are kind of in the no-code space. I have settled on one, uh, but maybe we'll, we'll talk a bit about that one later, which is Adalo. And yeah, like you said, I, I've, I've taken this opportunity and, and been able to build the products that I always wanted to build. And since, since then, I've launched about 19 different projects over that, over that time period in about two years. Okay, great. And actually, there is a marketing one-on-one -on -one lesson that I believe a lot of makers don't realize. When you said you discovered Bubble, you said it was the mindset and the tool you've been missing all your life. And that's really marketing. When you want it to be engaging, you speak to people who are open to being engaged. It's not about convincing people who are running away. That only ends in pain and chasing and suffering. What you do is you are communicating clearly to the people to find those who already had that sense that they needed what you have. And finally, when they find it and you say the right words in your marketing, it will click. So to speak about no code, of course, but I thought, you know, it will be fantastic to do a live helping marketing uh, thing with you. So I ask you to think about an idea or a project that you're considering working on to work on the offer, the messaging and see what we can come up with to help you today. Would you like to do that or do you prefer first to explore no code a bit more? I'm happy to, to jump right in there. Like uh, this is obviously in my journey, I would say that uh, the, the one thing that I've missed the most uh, that I'm just not good at and I need to improve on is the marketing and sales side of things. I, I finally feel like I've got the keys to, to be able to build the product, but building the product is still not even half the battle. Uh, you, you can build whatever you want, uh, but uh, getting the people to come inside the doors is the hardest part. So yes. that would be great. I, 
I agree with you. And I believe it's like a totally different language. I think I wrote in one of the tweets that, you know, you can become the best maker in the world, but marketing is its own skill that if you don't learn or if you don't have somebody to do it and help you because you can do one of those two. There are many options or you can outsource it or so many other things you can do with that. It makes the big difference. It's like you said, what brings people to the door? You can have behind the door the El Dorado, but if nobody is entering, there is nothing. Can you tell a bit more about the idea or the project you want us to talk about today? So I had a good think about this. Obviously, I have I have actually a lot of active projects at the moment, and I was trying to think which one you know do I do I think has great potential and which one which struggles the most with the kind of the the message that it needs to deliver as well as the the targeting of the group that needs to take place. And that's one of my side projects, which is called Oxus. Um, it's one that I built about, oh, I think about a year ago almost now. Uh, I built it in Nadalo without code. Uh, I launched it on Product Hunt, I think probably seven or eight months ago. It it got quite a bit of a buzz. Um, but of course, after after that initial Product Hunt thing, I didn't really do anything with it. Uh, I just was kind of testing the waters there to see how it was done. But I realized I don't really have a message with it. Um, it doesn't carry any weight. And I don't know who my target audience is with it. So, yeah, it would be great to go on with that with that project. Perfect. We can work on that. Can you, though, to the audience, explain exactly what does it do, that project? So the idea with Oxus is that I'm all for kind of democratizing things that are kind of gate gate kept before, right now. Like uh, that's why I'm in no code. I believe in democratizing software development. Another part that I strongly believe in personally is that software should be cheaper and be accessible to as many people as possible. Um, as a maker, I've experienced that myself. Like uh, the more tools you use, the more money you end up spending that, you know, you start to run out of money rather rapidly. Um, so I had the idea to make Oxus where people could try to split the costs and, and kind of lower those, those, those runway costs that most people have when they start being an entrepreneur. Um, the idea was that obviously I didn't want to get into any legal troubles because there's a bit of a gray area there on what, what can be done, should be done and is done. Um, so I kind of just left it at the point where people could contact one another if they shared the same interest of having uh, a pro or premium plan for a, a very popular software tool. And that was a, that was a, a paywall that initiated that conversation between those two, which I was just charging a flat fee of $5 for. I understand. And to know, because isn't this a model that is more like um, a community or social media kind of model, which will be um, a model that depends on the number of people who are aware and using it, the more they use it, the more they benefit. Is this correct or? I would definitely, I would definitely say so. I mean, I think there's a big opportunity in, in kind of just diverging from that model entirely, but the, there's a big uh, barrier to, to do that in that the companies that you're trying to share these tools with or get other people to share these tools with, they kind of have to get involved from their side. And that's, that's a hard conversation to have with, uh, <laughs> with founders, of course, saying, hey, do you mind uh, 
making your tool available to two people instead of one for splitting the costs. So basically they, at that point, they, they, they only heard that they losing half their money. Um, but of course that's not actually the case with when, it, when we talk about sales, but maybe we can go into details about that later, but definitely I would say that you're right, that the more people have eyes on it, the, the more that the ball starts rolling on it and the project can take on its own steam. Yes. However, is it possible that we explore other possibilities for this? Because one of the rules that people don't even look at that we study in business school and all that is that when you are working on a project, don't go into a hostile environment because you will get crushed. Try to go into as friendly a situation as possible where stakeholders have a reason, a big reason to help you. And this way, like you said, you open up the thing where the companies, all they hear is you're helping people not even split because if two people can talk to other two people, that becomes four. And if four talk to 10, it becomes 40 right. or whatever, you know, and that will be a sale that is possible, but it's like opening a can of worms that in the future you can be the next Napster. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I, I absolutely wouldn't mind that being the outcome of this. Like it's, it is something that I'm passionate about and I do believe okay. in the cause. So. No problem. So <laughs> if, if you're okay with no happy ending, <laughs> but it'll be like, Oh, you know, dying in a blaze of glory or and all that. Well, it, 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 it's interesting because when I launched on Product Hunt, I already immediately got some of that that kind of lashback from from these tools, and I actually got emails from several uh, CEOs of quite popular SaaS tools out there asking me to kind of delist their tools from the website. So they, well, first of all, I, I was quite shocked that they had noticed and picked up on it so quickly and be yeah. that they they were immediate to respond. I kind of took the opportunity because I, of course I didn't mind and I, I did take down all the requests that, that were asked, but I did use it as an opportunity to try and open a, a path of communication with, with them to understand why they don't want it and try to convince them of the benefits that it actually could have to their business. But it was still a very hard sell to do. Uh, so something that yeah. I still need to perfect my kind of messaging around that and, and the reasoning. Not, not really, because you're literally doing something. It's like, you know, trying to convert people who, who believe they're being harmed by your work. That's not really the way, the best use of your time. Actually, we can make it a very used dramatization, which is the Houdini marketing kind of thing where you say yeah, that your tool is the one that SaaS CEOs want to take down and therefore you become the underdog and therefore that gets you more buzz and people want to use it to claim their right to this rather than being shut down and you know silenced by the establishment. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I think that's a very interesting take on it. I think... I think that that obviously has a lot of potential. I've actually never even thought in that regard, like to take that approach. It is, you know, in marketing, we have two ways. We can do like the marketing correctly about the benefits and all that. But there is also the other side, which is that people don't like to be silenced. They don't like to be told what to do. They don't like when people 
reduce their access and their opportunities. And that can be a messaging by itself that, you know, this tool is the one that CEOs are actively trying to shut down. And right. therefore, it gives you actually proof because um, there is two ways to prove something, either by your success or by your enemies. And if you have enemies, it means you matter. It means you have something that is dangerous to them. And therefore, it's indirectly proving that what you have is a great tool. So can we talk about the messaging and make it better? And are you open to this, you know, being the, uh, the hero who is standing against the establishment and that the establishment is trying to crush, but you're the David against the Goliath, you know? I'm 100% comfortable with that position. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's look at the, um, you know, the offer first. You know, the messaging will be different because that's what I do. I work on the messaging, the offer, what to put on the website to communicate it so that people understand and the emailing to, to make it happen. But let's look at the offer. The offer first is you offer a service that connects people who have a premium license to one of the tools with people who don't have so that they share the cost and therefore people will not run out of money because entrepreneurs are bootstrapped from the very beginning. Did I understand you correctly? Correctly. So that's, that's going to be probably the highest scenario. The other one is that it could connect two people that don't even have the subscription and link them up yes. together so that they could buy it at, like, and, and share those costs. Yes, perfect. It doesn't have to be two people. I'm just wondering because if two people can connect, it means four could. And if four could, it means It, it ten. could be potentially, yeah, uh, dozens, hundreds, thousands. Okay. Now let's talk about the relevance right now. What changed in the world happened that make this important and necessary? Because what we talk about is I don't try to tell you what you should say. I try to find your truth. And because when you say it, you will mean it. And people at some level catch the, on that. They sense, okay, this person is not just saying cute words. They're saying what they believe. And that is much more effective in marketing than saying the best uh, you know, thing possible while you don't mean it. Definitely. I can give some immediate response to that. Like, for me, what changed in the world is like, uh, I'm sure you also grew up with the same thing with your parents telling you don't get in the car with a stranger. Now we can tend to do that on a weekly basis and it's called Uber. Uh, you know, we were told not to sleep at a stranger's house. Now we do that also regularly wherever we travel to and they call that yeah. Airbnb. So these big disruptions are kind of what, what pushes the boundary for, you know, what, what should be and could be possible. So I try to think about kind of the limitations that were imposed on my own life, like uh, as an entrepreneur, like what was stopping me, what were my blockers. And for the most part, it was the cost involved for several software tools that you, you do essentially need to make your life easier and make your product more successful. But the cost of these tools were just astounding and it just got higher and higher and higher. And I realized that, you know, I, I, I don't mind sharing it. I don't mind sharing access to this tool. If, if there's some private information on there, of course, I would rather not share it. But if there's a person that I can learn how to trust, 
And that's the same thing that you're doing with Uber and with Airbnb is you're trusting that person to, to, to drive you somewhere. You, you know, you, you're putting your life in that person's hand. The same with the, with the house, like uh, you don't know what, who's around there or, you know, there's a lot of dangers involved, but we still do it because of that basis on trust. And if I could find the right people to trust to, to share my software with, I would absolutely do that. Because fundamentally, I, I do think that sharing is, a, is part of human nature and something that we don't do enough of. And I think okay, if we can all help each other. That's a very, very important point that you mentioned. And I know about Airbnb. They have an insurance policy for people who are hosting. Can you make it like a percentage of the fee they pay goes into a pool uh, of insurance so that if there are any issues or problems, they feel safer that your own project will protect them. And often, you know how insurance companies work. There is something in statistics called the law of large numbers that only at any point, 2.6% or so of uh, a pool of people will have problems. And therefore, you're co collecting 97.4 just to pay for the 2.6 and the rest is pure profit. That's what they do. I'm not saying you have to make profit out of it. Sounds like a great business money. model. <laughs> yeah, that's why yeah, uh, you know Warren Buffett is really, really heavily invested in them. So yeah. to you, if you can include also a kind of um, protection or insurance so that if you trust the wrong person, because otherwise, how can you make them that like can you have a process where people can vote for each other's trustworthiness or something like that which also can make people bring more people in because they'll bring their friends tell them oh please come you know so that you can vote for me and suddenly each person will virally grow your right. business so I think absolutely. I mean, you can, I could easily implement kind of a, a review and rating system in there. And I think what you touched on there was a very valid point. And it's something that if I were to relaunch this product, I would do it that way in that I wouldn't just open it up to the general public like I did on, on the product hunt launch. I would much prefer to have a method where I just got in, you know, a select hundred people and then they got invites and they could invite a few people. Cause I think that sustainable growth and it is comes with an inherent trust value because it's people that are already there and want to use it, like your, your prime users, and they're inviting other people who are inherently gonna trust them. So that trust factor already grows and kind of hopefully is something that's sustainable within the business at a later point. Yes, definitely. And it's, it's really, really valuable to think in that way that trust is the most valuable thing we have right now. And if you can put it in the structure of your tool or of your project it becomes much more valuable and remember we're starting with you being the contrarian pirate kind of that the establishment is trying to crush and that will get you a lot of attention and if you make it ex exclusive like you said maximum 100 people and then those people will get the uh, invites to bring other trusted people that can, like you said, will be a very strong way to grow this project. And let's speak specifically. Out of all makers, who would benefit the most 
what kind of people would benefit the most from this project? Well, having been in the maker scene just for kind of a while now, I would say that just makers in general, I think we're, for the most part, a very trustworthy and kind of tight-knit bunch. Uh, I mean, I, obviously, I think you get into your own circles and your own kind of uh, cliques within within the maker scene. But uh, I think that level of trust is inherent. Like, uh, I think the tag itself, just someone calling themselves a maker, makes you kind of kind of associate yourself with that person. And already there's that, that rapport and trust level is initially right there. Yes, it's, it's very good. But let's try if we could make it a bit more specific because specificity increases results, really it does. For example, uh, can you, who would be a better target or you resonate more with them? People who are starting a company using no-code tools or hobbyists who are having fun making projects in the world or people who want a side project to bring them some money while they have their day job or uh, young people and students who will be the future voices of the no-code community or it could be people who are who were programmers and then they don't want to program anymore and they have too many tools that they're spending too much money on or it could be people from places where they couldn't even afford to buy those but they are makers who will change the future of their countries and add wealth to their economy you know what i mean all these are yeah. wonderful options but if you begin with one and then let that core bring interesting people who will be from all kinds of maker uh, types that could be a better and more effective strategy Right. That is, I mean, it's funny that you, I mean, it's crazily good the way that you've been able to pick apart those, those audiences already. Uh, I spent so much time already trying to dive into those and you just kind of threw them out the top of your head, which is really impressive. <laughs> but like, uh, if I were to, I, 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 this is one of the things that I've really struggled with is making that decision on which one to focus on, because like, I can see the benefits and like the pros and cons of each one of these ones. And I can see where they're going to work and where, where they're going to possibly have problems. But if I were to probably pinpoint one, it would probably have to be the students or, or third world countries and stuff like that. Cause that's, I think third world country for me is obviously very close because I grew up in Zimbabwe, which is a third world country that experiences a lot of poverty. And yes. there's so many like super smart people there that just don't get the, the chances that they deserve. And yes. to be able to provide a service that, that does that, I mean, that's, that's my ultimate goal. I mean, I want to be able to, uh, you know, bring something like that into fruition and bring something that. But actually, this is really beautiful because it will silence those companies who are calling you basically a thief because you become the Robin Hood archetype. You can, if you say that this tool targets primarily people from third world countries and students who cannot afford those they cannot really say oh you're bad you're stealing from us because it becomes anti-value signaling <laughs> right you know what i mean yeah absolutely i mean this was one of the avenues that i wanted to initially pursue and what i actually wanted to do at one point uh, was try to try to get like a charity or an ngo status uh, to to really be able to push that message because I'm, I'm actually not building this tool to, to make money. Like, uh, it's not my, my, 
my main intent. Obviously, if it's a consequence of of the tool's success, I'm I'm more than happy with that. But I'm not building it to, to make money. Like I I truly believe in the cause behind it and democratizing that kind of boundary that's and that's placed on a lot of people. Yes, and that's really the prime directive, if I might say, of the maker community and no code and all that. It's that specific goal, which means it will resonate with people very, very well. You can do it in a way where you can invite people you trust, but the people you target, like you said, smart people from third world countries and students who have a lot of potential, but cannot, even if they wanted to afford all these necessary tools, would you be okay with focusing first on this target market and letting them later on invite whoever they see fit so that it's up to them to invite the right people? Oh, totally. A hundred percent behind that. Okay. So let's think, you know, I'm thinking your tool, what it allows is, okay, let's, let's backtrack and speak more basically. Why should somebody need many tools rather than one? Um, I guess that's a, that's a pretty good fundamental question. I think like, it's just from my own experience, right? Like whenever I had to do something, they was always going to like, if I started in no code, I needed the bubble. Then I realized that bubble couldn't do everything. Then I had to get a Zapier integration. Then I realized Zapier wasn't just enough or bubble really couldn't build a, a mobile app properly. So then I got a dialer and then, you know, it just started to, to just go off the, the top. Like you just end up having so many different tools to do so many different things that you think that you need. Most of the time you don't even need them, but there's no good way for you to also to trial that without having an, a huge kind of upfront cost that's going to be non-refundable for the most part. I love that. And it's a problem. That is a real problem. Can you make it so that you lead with that? What do I mean with that? Can you create like a newsletter or something where you test tools and you review and you say, okay, this tool does X, Y, Z perfectly, but it doesn't do these things that uh, the other tools A, B, C do. And that can be your media that brings people in. And then in your newsletter, you say, and if you want to try these tools cheaply, I have um, this um, this uh, offer or product that is at cost. I'm not doing it to make money where you can share together licenses and buy together so that you try these tools and understand exactly what I mean. Is this something possible? Um, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure about that one. <laughs> I think I would struggle to, to get it off the ground in that regard. Cause I, th I think it's a bit kind of muddied water in that regard. Like everyone, like in the last year or so has been making those, those, uh, how do you call them? Like a collection of, uh, look at all these tools. I've kind of collated them all together and aggregated all the tools that you need for marketing, all the tools that you need for no code. Uh, like Ryan Hoover obviously just left Product Hunt and he's moved on to another project, which is Your Stacks, which also kind of does the same thing. So I think, like, I, I think it's a, it's, it's going to be a small voice in a large sea of voices in that regard. So I think I would struggle to get my message out there. Whereas I think the approach that you said about like just 
talking maybe from the heart and delivering that message that I truly believe in it. I do think I, I do see myself being able to do that quite successfully. I just, I, I wouldn't know which platform to do that on. Is that, is that a newsletter? Is that a blog? Is that paid advertising? I wouldn't know where to start. Which one about speaking about the tools, which you said has already too much competition or is it speaking from the heart and you know, sharing your ideas first. Yeah, the ideology behind it, like uh, that I, I think that software is too expensive, that third world countries don't uh, get the chances that we do in, in first world countries. Like there's okay. no way. What are you good at? Let's begin because the, there is a big difference between the right thing and the workable thing. Right. And what you can do comfortably, consistently for a while is much, much better than what is supposed to be the best that will get you to feel like it's a shore or burnout or like not do it some days because it's too draining or it's uncomfortable. What are you good at? Are you good at speaking, at writing, at drawing, at creating projects? Like what is your core skill? Well, speaking definitely was on the bottom of that list until this last year when i overcame several fears of public speaking i would never have been able to take this call with you if you had called me last year actually but i would say that my writing is is a, a strong strong skill of mine uh, i'm able to write i just don't do it enough lately i actually tweeted just last month that i wanted to get back into writing so this might be like the perfect opportunity to do that Yes. And are you better at writing longer form or quick tweets so that we know wh which direction would be better? Oh, I, I don't know which one I'm better at. I, I think I prefer short tweets, but I'm probably better at long form. Okay. You said I prefer. Can you uh, like use it in, in uh, the way that politicians use where they test the waters, where any idea you have, you tweet about it, and based on the engagement of any tweet, you turn that into a long-form uh, post. Would this be something that works for you? Oh, definitely. That's something that I've been trying to implement for about a, a month or so already. Great. So let's think, so that I, I explain to you the whole essence of business or marketing or anything. You have an offer. And then everything you do is to get people aware of that offer. So that the way to do that doesn't matter. What matters is you can do it. Like if I told you, of course, if you took a rocket to the moon and you wrote your name on it, uh, you'll get news by all over the world about your project and all that. But can you do it? I don't no. think <laughs> it's, it's possible. But if it's something you can do, let's, okay. Let's clarify. So you offer the possibility for makers from third world countries and students to connect on um, to connect together and share the costs of no code tools so that they can build their ideas into reality, transform the future of their economies and get opportunities they wouldn't otherwise get. Is this a good message for you that you can believe in? I couldn't write that down fast enough, but that is the great message, yes. <laughs> Thank you. And you can say that the CEOs of the top no-code tools are actively trying to stop and silence this project, which will be your uh, Robin Hood 
positioning that the people will be like, what? Why? No, it's my right. This is something I want, you know, and all that. So. Yeah. Do you think it would make sense also to allow the, 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 the CEOs of these tools to kind of make a pledge at that point to say, we're not against this. And that, that could open the door for me to be able to say, okay, let's have a conversation about how that looks. And yeah, then of it also gives them a chance to have some good PR to say, look, we're not against this idea. We're it, open to especially it. if you can make yourself an NGO status or something like that, it will be perfect. If not, you can email them. Say, this is what I'm working on. And the reason is I believe that in third world countries and students as well cannot afford your tools. Are you okay with this? or not, I'm going to proceed either way because I believe in this very much. And then you let them, if they come on board, then you can say this is endorsed and approved by all the popular tools. And if not, you can say I'm Robin Hood and they are trying to kill me. <laughs> I mean, this is this is great. I mean, this is I think this is a, a perfect uh, conversation that I needed to hear for myself <laughs> more than anything else. But like, I mean, the only thing that really also kind of worries me, but that's not a marketing problem or well, it is a business one, but it's the law. Like it's hard to understand the law in these things. And I, of course, I, you know, as much as we all can say Napster changed everything and they did so as kind of the Robin Hood of that industry. But I think a lot of people also forget that they had a lot of lawyers backing them up, like t telling them what yeah. they can do and what they can't do. And what they, they did was very smart. And... I need to also try to find that avenue, I think, before I could really pursue this and, and take it to the next those level. CEOs and tools and offer them an olive branch. Say, I'm not going to go, uh, you know, open it directly or whatever to people who are from the US or Europe or, or all that. I am targeting specifically people who couldn't afford your tools, even if they wanted to on their own. And I think that can calm them down a big deal and offer them you can be involved so that you can control more of this and maybe ask them would you be interested to do this as a project where they can offer scholarships to the most brilliant people who will be using your tool uh, as voted by other members and i think they can it can be a way a path for the future great talents in no code to emerge Definitely. Uh, you've, you've given me a hell of a lot to think about, and I appreciate that a lot. Thank you. And Colin, where can people find you? Where can they learn more? Where to go so that they know more about you? Uh, well, they could visit my, my website. I try to keep it updated. Obviously, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good at that because I'm too busy trying to pull my time into my projects. But my website is cwinhall.com. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at Colin Winhall. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you could also find me in Adalo's forums where I'm trying to help people get their no-code stuff together and get their projects out the door. Great. Thank you. And I wish you a great day. And I hope you found a lot of value that will impact the future of your projects here. I most definitely have. Thanks so much again for all your help there and the advice given. And I really look forward to, to hearing the next one. Thank mm -hmm. you.